So Money, episode 465, Sarah Kaler. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. And today we have a guest who is an executive leadership coach and a business mentor. Sarah Kaler is here. And for the past 17 years, she's worked with business leaders across all industries. In particular, she works with female CEOs who are building high growth companies, international brands, and Fortune 100 and 500 companies like Facebook, Lululemon, Intel, many others. She's been featured for her work in Huffington Post, Entrepreneur, Fox News, and many other news outlets. And Sarah dedicates her business now to helping primarily, as I said, female entrepreneurs drive their business with purpose not just passion, but purpose. What does that mean exactly? How to know when you're earning enough? You know, how do you know when it's time to stop focusing on your bottom line and that you can sort of, you know, be happy and feel fulfilled with what you've created and what you've earned? And the importance of setting very clear boundaries for yourself and your business, especially when you're just starting out because you can't and shouldn't say yes to everything. Sarah learned this the hard way. Here is Sarah Kaler. Sarah Kaler, welcome to So Money. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, let's just answer answer this for me. Passion versus purpose. You have built a very successful practice, coaching practice, in teaching uh, entrepreneurs, women in particular, about de- designing a life and a career that is centered around purpose. And yet we always hear about passion. What's yeah. the difference? And, and what do you think about the word passion? I love this question because we do hear about this a lot. And you know what's interesting? I think, you know, I think passion is good. There's nothing wrong with passion, right? Like you got to have passion. Right. But, you know, I think where passion falls a little short is that passion is kind of self-serving. It's about us, right? As an individual. And it is where you come alive and it's important in that sense, right? However, when we start talking about purpose, it's where it gets multidimensional, right? This is where we start to talk about service. This is where we start to talk about impacting others and where we can actually start to impact communities, others, the world. And we're talking about what we're really up to in the world and not just what feels good to us as an individual. And And I think that that's an important distinction. Another distinction that you make is success. There are the metrics to success that we've come to accept as a society, but those aren't necessarily the best ways to measure success. Because for you, for example, you were very successful working, climbed the ladder, multi-billion dollar company, but your health was what uh, kind of stood as the the trade-off. And so how do you define success? Well, for me, as you mentioned, you know, having the sort of the money, the, the metrics, the house, the car, right? All the things that we typically know as success and then to face that 
that moment of health crisis, it all didn't matter in that moment, right? So for me, success is really about legacy and not just about the material assets or even just about the, the money, right? Which I'll, I'll talk about money in a second here. But to me, legacy is ultimately about what are you here for, right? At the highest level, right? What are you here to lead? What is it in you to serve? And what does that require of you? And you know, success, I think, from the the classic standpoint that we're so used to is about, you know, climbing and acquiring. And, you know, that that can be fulfilling on on many levels, right? And at a certain point, when we are looking at legacy, right? It's actually like leadership. Like if we look at leadership and living a legacy, like it's actually about service, right? So when you're serving from an abundant place, like the money is going to show up, right? Money and income and impact and influence all come from leading your legacy and, and really leading from your ultimate genius. So for me, success is about finding what that is for you and asking yourself to step into that. I definitely want to talk to you about your advice on how you know when enough is enough financially, because you can feel as though uh, when you're trying to achieve quote unquote success, that there is no limit to how much you can earn, should earn, but that can lead to burnout, you know, health problems. There's only so many hours in the day that your energy has a bandwidth. But I'm curious to also first learn how you came to these realizations about success, about purpose. What was your light bulb moment and how did you start to see the world differently? Yeah. So for me, I knew two things my entire life. I knew that I was going to make a massive impact in the world somehow. And I didn't always know how, right? But I just knew that intrinsically, even as a, a kid, I knew that. And the second thing that I knew was that I was going to be a mother, and as you mentioned earlier, a moment ago, I, you know, in my early part of my career, quite young, grew a very successful career. And at a certain point was at the, you know, really top of a corporate ladder and senior leadership. And I had all this success, right? I had money, I had visibility, I had roles that I had dreamt of. And then I had a health crisis, right? So in the midst of that, I was, you know, I was faced with that moment of I'm making a lot of impact, right? On paper, right? The results were there. The numbers were there. I had literally developed thousands of business leaders at that point in my life. And yet there was, uh, there was something missing, right? There was something missing and not, and it wasn't just the obvious of my health. It was that I was out of alignment with the ultimate work that I wanted to do in the world and how it was, it was like my values were compromised, right? So for me, I had to look deeper into how do I actually do what I'm great at and actually leave the mark that I want to make and have that all work in my life, right? So it wasn't a, a, a question of I have one or the other and, and be like left questioning, and, you know, burnout. And, and frankly, 
putting my whole life on the line here, which was the reality for me. But it was more looking at a world of and mm, and so seeing that, that that was possible. I like that. So it's not either or or this or that. It's and. How did you begin to answer those questions for yourself as far as how you're going to leave an impact? What was going to be your ultimate purpose? How are you going to execute it? How do you figure it out in the, when you're at that crossroads? <laughs> and you teach this to your clients, so you're the expert. Yeah. For yourself, what was that transition like? Yeah. Well, I always tell people, I, you know, personally, I did not build Rome in a day, right? I, you know, it was probably a, a solid year for me to take the time to make that transition. And, the, you know, the first thing I knew was that I had this expertise, right? I had talent, I had this genius. And it was clear to me that people were coming to me, you know, within my company and outside of my company for my help. And I needed to start to look at how was I going to leverage my strengths, leverage my genius in a way that I could continue to impact people. But I could see that my, you know, like why I was here was not just to stay within the four walls of the company that I was, I was at. Right. And so when I'm, I started to see that connection right? That's when I got back to that deeper purpose that, that I had known my whole life of me- making a massive impact in the world, right? I saw, ah, okay, so I've done, I've served here, right? And now it's, it's time to serve beyond. And I need to start to look for what's the vehicle to do that. I know what I'm great at. And I need to start to look for the opportunity to move beyond just these four walls, right? So, but here was the next piece was, how do I make the impact that I want to make and do that and lead the lifestyle that I want to have, right? And do that abundantly because I knew that the lifestyle that I had had was no longer working for me, right? I was on an airplane every week. I was working 80 to 100 hour work weeks. Like it clearly was not working. And I, I was in the hospital all the time, right? I mean, my life was behind the curtain, it was falling apart. So I had to face some serious questions around that. So I, I looked at impact, right? Like desired impact and desired lifestyle. And with that, that concept of how do I lead from my genius with putting me first, right? Because, you know, we, we hear all these things about you've got to fuel yourself first, right? It's like put your oxygen mask on before you pay go putting it on other first, people. Right. <laughs> right? It's like pay yourself, fuel yourself, feed yourself, right? It, it's whether it's money, sleep, food, rest, you know, whatever it is, you are your greatest asset, right? And as the leader and CEO of your company, right, w- which I was transitioning into, I had to do that, right? And as are my clients. So for me, that was that was key, right? right. Was looking at how, like what does that look like? And so so that was step step one was like let's let's get this straight and building that foundation for what was my business model going to look like? Because mm-hmm. if the business model inherently is not going to fuel both of those things, then it's going to be out of alignment. It's not going to be sustainable. So then just to take a quick step back and as far as 
figuring out the lifestyle that you want. Specifically, what are we looking at? How many hours a day I want to work? Do I want to be home? Do I want to be in an office environment? Do I want to have time for a month to take off to go on a vacation? Is that the sort of stuff that you're you're outlining and then and then trying to reverse engineer as far as the then the business that you build that can support yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A lot of my clients are uh, thinking about those things as I'm working with so many women CEOs and a lot of them have children, right? A lot of them families, a lot of them are scaling up, right? So they've already had a lot of success, right? So those questions are very uh, present in their minds about, well, how do I go from here to that next level? And not compromise the things that I care about. Now, what those things are and what that looks like is is different for each person, right? For me, at the time that I was making the leap, I was very, um, you know, I had a, a very young child, right? So for me, I had, I was, I was very protective of my time. I was, I was learning to create very firm boundaries and traveling less for uh, work and being really choosy about when I traveled and for what was important to me, right? So those things then got built in and the business then really, really blossomed out of that. Because right? now so you know your boundaries. Isn't that, isn't that it? You, you, you know, we, we feel like we shouldn't limit ourselves when we're just starting a business because we're, we're eager to get out there, to get known, but that can backfire really quickly as you've experienced. So having boundaries is actually the smartest way to approach it, personal and yeah. professional. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because a lot of times what happens is, like you said, you're you're growing and you put everything into it, right? I mean, you put in the hours, the time, it's your voice, it's your brand, right? It's your work. I mean, it's really, it's like a baby, you're growing. And, and then you get to a point where you think, well, how am I going to get to the next level and continue this? Something has to change typically in order to get to the next phase. And it's not necessarily just about maintaining what you've already done, right? It's about creating something else. And if you've already learned clear boundaries and you have a foundation, that is going to stay with you forever. Your website homepage says you're developing conscious leaders one soul at a time. I think we can all use more conscious leaders in this world. But at, at the same time, there is a resistance to that because the world is very competitive. It's all driven by bottom line. Um, so how do you how do you prepare your clients for entering a world that may be not so patient, that is money driven, that doesn't really appreciate um you know soulfulness uh, at the at the price of um maybe some work getting done at a different pace, at a different price point. Um, you know, we still live in a very capitalist society. So how does this work yeah. in that in that environment? Yeah. Well, it's a great question. So for me, the you know, the money comes, like I mentioned earlier, the money comes from having human to human connection, right? Spending more time focused on the sort of the the impact, the transformation, the connection, the community building. So that to me is a competitive advantage. When you put when you're in the business of people, 
whether that be your clients, your customers, your team, your internal culture. These are the things that actually give you competitive advantage and help you win in a crowded marketplace, in a competitive marketplace, because people need their products, their services to matter. And people want to belong to brands that care about the world and care about them. And that's important. And so we need our leaders to have that level of awareness in leading their companies and how they create work environments, how they treat their people, how they deliver customer service, right? And, and so people are looking for that. And mm-hmm. we need leaders to wake up to the fact that if they're not doing that, they're actually falling behind. Mm-hmm. If you could carry only one makeup item in your bag, what would it be? For me, it's something to help shape and fill in my eyebrows. I know, random. But brows are the thing, people. Today's sponsor, Glossier, is a New York City-based beauty brand known for their unique skin-first, makeup-second approach to beauty. And I am in love with their eyebrow product called Boy Brow, which leaves you with thicker, fuller, more naturally groomed-looking brows. And listen, even if I haven't gotten much sleep, the Boy Brow helps my eyes pop. And the internet is all a buzz over it, calling it a game changer because it's an all-in-one product, not a complicated kit with a four-step brow routine. It has a tiny mascara-like brush for easy application, and it's only 16 bucks. And since I'm allergic to a lot of makeup, the Boy Brow is perfect because it's hypoallergenic. Curious? You can get 20% off your first purchase. Just go to Glossier.com, G-L-O-S-S-I-E-R, and use the promo code SOMONEY. That's Glossier.com, promo code SOMONEY. Going back to one of my questions that I promised I would ask is, you know, cause I'm so curious about this too. When is, yeah. what is enough money? Like when do you know you've reached financial fulfillment and that maybe you should start focusing on other things and it shouldn't just be about the bottom line because we obviously we need enough money to, as you say, satisfy a lifestyle that we want to achieve that takes money. Um, mm-hmm. But it can be, you can almost feel like you're this hamster on a wheel that the more is more, who wouldn't want right. more money? But I think that can be a very uh, hard thing to stop lusting after because, you know, when we think about if we had just another $10,000 more or another $1,000 a month or whatever it is, that changes lives. So how do you know when you are good? Mm, that's a really good question because I I really believe that you need to set you need to know what drives you, right? So for a lot of people, money drives them, right? Like when they set goals, like I always ask my clients, does, you know, like when we're setting KPIs in their business, for some people, they're, they're driven by the, the money goals, right? They want that to be the driver. And some people are more driven by the impact goals, right? Even within the realm of we're all making an impact here, right? So, I think what's important is to ask yourself, what's the, you know, it's like, what's the goal underneath the goal here, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, right? Because you could say, you know, I want my, my, my business to, to break $5 million this year or whatever the number is, right? And I think how I think about money is what's the purpose? What's the purpose for your money? Because if you get connected to 
the purpose of your money, I think you're going to know when enough is enough. If it's just, I need more, I need more, I need more. That to me, you, you could be on that wheel, that hamster wheel forever. It's sort of like endless, right? But if you have purpose for that money, right? Like I'm investing in X, Y, Z four, right? Or mm-hmm. I'm saving for my child's college, or I have a vision for my life in the next 10 years, and it's going to look like this. And because of that, I am earning at this level, you know, 50% year over year growth so that I can do that, right? Or I want to give back to a foundation or start a foundation. And in order to have the the means, the wealth to do that, I need to earn at this level. I think that's an important point, the whole giving back variable, because I I went through this where I was like, well, I'm making enough to pay my bills and everybody's, you know, there's food on the table. Um, I get to splurge once in a while, go on a vacation. So I'm good. Uh, But it was a conversation with actually a guest on my show, um, Barbara Stanny, who is all about encouraging women to think big when it comes to earning. And because let's be honest, a lot of us, whether if we are employed, we're making less than men on average. And if we even are even are self-employed, we pay ourselves less than male entrepreneurs. So there's something going on. One of the things I think is that we sometimes underestimate our potential to earn. And we're such givers that we're the last, we, we're the, you know, we give the, like you said at the very beginning, we are the last ones to be on the receiving end of our giving. Yes. Um, so, but I had this conversation with her and she goes, well, Farnoosh, you know, why can't you be this eight figure earning person or like make multi millions of dollars a year? Like, why don't you think you can? And it wasn't that I didn't think I could. It just felt like it was just going to be too hard to reach. But she said, you know, there's a lot, there are a lot of women doing it, but let this be the motivation for you. If you feel very complacent in how you're or how much you're earning and everything's going hummingly well, think about the impact that you can have on others, the greater impact you can have on others once you start being an even higher earner. And that really motivated me. It wouldn't maybe motivate everybody. You could say, well, yeah. I'm donating to my charities. I'm good. But I would love the, I, I love the idea of, of starting a foundation of, um, of really changing people's lives by giving them resources and money and training and all of that. And so for me, my, my new purpose is to earn as much as possible with the goal and intention of giving back. And I think that sometimes we forget about that. That it's not just about your immediate life and people and community. That there's there are people out there you've never met that could benefit from your prosperity, and that is yeah. super motivating. And as women, we are givers naturally. So I always say, when women make more, the world becomes a better place. No, I love this. I love this. Somebody asked me recently about what my legacy was going to be, and I said, "Well, there's the the whole you know developing this sort of current next generation of women." I said. But, you know, outside of that sort of women in leadership, which everyone in my community knows that's what I'm up to, right? I said, the thing that I want to do is have women be so clear about their legacy in terms of abundance and impact. And so I love what you're saying, because one of the things I said in this conversation was the last stat I saw around women uh, breaking through the seven figure mark was 4% of all women entrepreneurs 
had, were currently making seven figures. And I said, that number is frankly too small, right? It's just frankly too small. And the reality is, yes, there's work. Yes, there's hustle. Yes, there's, you know, business models and all these things. But what you're pointing to is when you get connected to what it is for you and you just shared like so eloquently, right, what it is for you. And what I'm saying is whatever the purpose is for for women to be able to redistribute the, the money and the wealth in the world and have women own that level of abundance and make an impact on that scale, I mean, the world is going to evolve tremendously. And that is an incredible opportunity for all of us. I look forward to it. It's going to happen. It's happening slowly but surely. It is. Absolutely. How did you become so money wise? What's your background? Did you have an experience as a kid that really um, transformed you or left an impact? You know, I have to give credit to my dad. He, I grew up in a, in a family of uh, serial entrepreneurs and I didn't really know a lot um, as a kid that, well, I didn't know that it wasn't necessarily the norm to have a bunch of family members who were running family businesses around me. And, and none of them were like fancy, shiny businesses. They were just family businesses, right? And what what was really interesting is I have these vivid memories. Um, I think you'll, you'll find this um, humorous, at least I do. <laughs> Every morning, the newspaper would get delivered to, the, to our doorstep. And I grew up in Seattle, where I still live. And the Seattle Times would get delivered. And along with the Seattle Times, the printed Investor's Business Daily would arrive every morning. And my dad, who owned his own business, he was, he's trained as a family practice uh, MD, as a doctor, and he, he owned some walk-in clinics around the Seattle area. But he, on the side, was a certified financial advisor. This was sort of just like part-time thing that he loved, right? And it, talk about passion and purpose. This was <laughs> something that he did on the side. And he would read that newspaper every morning, the the, the investors business daily. Right. And as a kid, I would watch him. And at first I just thought this was dad's paper, right? Dad's weird paper that he read. And over time I started to pay attention to it and he started to walk me through what it was and why he was reading it. And he would tell me, you know, this is how you read if a stock is performing and this is why it's important. And, you know, he just, he walked me through things like that when I was in like third and fourth grade. And it wasn't as if I was retaining, you know, all of it, but the concept of money and investing, and also I would say vision and possibility uh, and entrepreneurialism was very alive in my household. And we talk, and I will say this, we did talk about the good, bad, and the ugly as well. So you know, things like risk and things not working out were also talked about. And, uh, I just have memories like the the investor's business daily. It was always around. Right. Um, and those are fond memories I have. And the truth is kids, like you said, you're not going to retain it all at age eight, nine, but being around that environment, the, the modeling that our parents can do for us. We look as adults, we, I think we end up caring about what our parents cared about a lot of times. If your, if your dad was exhibiting that he was being mindful of the stock market, even though that was kind of an abstract thing to you, but it was a consistent interest of his and he, 
shared it along the way with you. That, you know, that sticks over time and it's all good. I think that's great. It's a great story. Okay. You mentioned some the good, bad, the ugly. Let's talk about the ugly. Was there a financial <laughs> failure in that you that you would love to share that taught you so much? You know, I think as an entrepreneur, there have been many, right? I, you know, so so many small, medium size. You know, I think the probably the biggest one that I made as an entrepreneur is uh, it comes with it, it's around not trusting my own instinct, and and it was about let's see where was I? I was probably about a year into my business full time. I'd been in business part-time for a while, but I had taken my business full-time and I had already passed the six-figure mark in revenue. And so, you know, I had a pretty healthy business, but it really was referral-based, right? I had a strong, strong network, lots of connections and people were coming in. And I, I, it was when, about the time that I decided to really take my business online, right? So I decided, I made this sort of, you know, executive decision that I was going to get this presence. And I hired a uh, brand sort of strategist person who did more than just the sort of graphics and the website and the, the logo, but it was more about creating a strategy for the future of my business and my brand. And I got into this sort of back and forth of, um, you know, thinking that I didn't know enough or that I, I needed to follow, uh, somebody else's direction. And what's interesting is I invested a lot of money in this and, you know, I look back now and it, you know, it's just a drop in the bucket, but at the time it was a massive investment for me. And it, it was one of those moments where I realized when I was handed sort of this document, uh, that was the sort of recommendation for the future growth of my business, right? The strategy, in other words, of, you know, what conferences I would speak at and, you know, what programs I would offer or what companies I would move into or approach, you know, and it was really this like multi-tiered company. And I looked at it and I thought, this doesn't feel like me at all. Right. And it, and it was a, it was a real wake up call for me because I realized that I actually already knew what to do and I had to invest in some, someone else and spend a lot of money actually to find out what not to do. Wow. Well, that's a good investment in the long run. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a good learning lesson of, yeah. of sort of getting caught up, right? Getting mm-hmm. caught up and thinking that, um, you know, there's always a time to invest, right? I'm, I, I always invest in my business to grow, but it was thinking that there was um, like this magic pill, right? That mm-hmm. was going to take me to this other place. Well, you, maybe you were saying yes to too many things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So it was a good learning. What's a financial habit, Sarah, that you practice that helps you either in your personal financial life and or your business? Mm, I think, you know, just having a really open relationship with my, well, one, my accountant, <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, goodness, thank you. Thank goodness for him. Um, and also just um, even, you know, uh, my, I would say my fi- financial advisor, um, I, 
I think my accountant, well, both people in my life, but I think what I love about it is having open dialogue and uh, like, it's not just meeting regularly, but having relationships with, um, I think about my accountant in particular, because my business has grown so fast and changed and evolved year over year for the last few years. And having someone partner with me and there for me and somebody who really understands my business has been so integral and, uh, willing to answer all my questions and that sort of thing. And that's really important. And I'd say the the other thing is just knowing and believing, right. And it's not necessarily that I'm practicing this sort of like mantra affirmation out loud every day, but it's more about, um, believing that the, that I'm leading and the the mission, the vision that I have is like, is for me to lead and therefore like abundance and money flows. And I, and I don't question it. I just am open to receiving it Hmm. because I know like what I know. And I've always sort of had this relationship to money. And I remind myself of this anytime that I stumble or there's a roadblock or a challenge, or I, you know, I'm doubting what I'm doing is that I remind myself that, that more innovation and more possibility and more opportunity or more lives changed, that all of that is directly related to more money flowing in. Right. Mm -hmm. So like when I look at my P and L or my balance sheet, right, I know that that's a narrative that gives me more information about becoming a smarter leader to create more opportunity, more progress, mm-hmm. right, more innovation. So for me, it's about, you know, just knowing and, and, and trusting that relationship and uh, moving forward and always staying close to it. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for some so money fill in the blanks? This is the part of the show. Yeah. It's rapid fire. Whatever comes to mind first, finish (laughs) the sentence. Here we go. If I won the lottery tomorrow, a hundred million bucks, the first thing I would do is. I would just, well, I would definitely uh, probably book some vacations, but I would also distribute large portions of it to all the nonprofits I work with. And what, so that takes us to the next one. When I donate, I like to give to blank because. Mm. So all the nonprofits I work with are causes that are not just about giving them money, but about our, our uh, causes where we are about developing skill set and sustainable um, solutions. So either it's about training or um, sustainable solutions so that the the problem isn't just perpetuating itself, right? We're actually like building growth and helping communities uh, become self-sustainable, in other words. When I splurge, I like to spend my money on Hmm. Let's see. There's probably a few things. Well, like I said, I, I love travel. So you, you heard me say vacation. I love, we, my family travels a lot. So we love to, to uh, spend on experiences, but I would say at home, we, we do things like have our groceries delivered. Like that's a big thing because my, my husband also owns a business. So and we got a little one. So we, we do things like that or just help around the house, you know, like yeah. getting those, our, our little home dialed and, <laughs> and organized. Um, I think that, that 
certainly um, we are advocates for that um, house spending. And last but not least, I'm Sarah Kaler. I'm so money because. Oh, gosh, I'm I would say this this one for me is what we mentioned earlier around um, having women like own their worth so we can we can build some dynamic legacies and really make a massive impact on the world. Because when women make more, the world's a better place. If you've learned That's nothing right. in the last 30 minutes, <laughs> let that be what moves your needle. Thank you so much, Sarah. Wishing you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. That's a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Sarah, her website is soulpowered.com. She's also on Twitter at BeSoulPowered. For all of this, including the transcript, audio, and to leave a comment for this episode, head over to somoneypodcast.com. And of course, while you're there, you can ask me a question. Click on Ask Farnoosh and send me your thoughts, your questions for our Friday episodes. Thanks for tuning in and hope your day is so money. So money.